Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gayatri. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You'll also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. This episode, which is the curtain raiser to our special for the month of March to celebrate Women's Day, was flipped from the usual where we normally ask guests to introduce themselves first. Maggie Imba Mutaya is the managing director of AnitaB.org India, and this episode begins with her talking about the importance of communities and platforms today, especially for women in tech, as spaces where magic happens through sustained dialogue and learning from each one's stories. She talks about how she started her career as a computer science engineer, discovering the beauty of of object-oriented programming and moving on to being an interface between business and tech to how communities can even sustain businesses from her experiences as an entrepreneur. She shares her thoughts on the future of technology, on how to embrace new tech mindfully and harness them in an equally mindful manner. And being women technologists, how can one leverage tech communities to bring awareness about any underrepresented aspect, what it means to be conscious all the time about what we do before we do it. Listen on, folks, to our first March 2020 special. Hey, Maggie, this is wonderful to be talking to you today. We've been trying to get you to talk as a guest on our podcast show. So I am so excited and consider it an honor to have you as a guest on the Software People Stories. Welcome to our show. Thank you, Chitra. It's, and I've been watching your podcast all these months. So really excited to be here. Wonderful. We actually try to start our podcast by asking our guests to introduce ourselves. And, you know, I have so many questions to ask you. So I kind of Mm. thought of flipping it around a bit and talking about what you're doing today in terms of what made you want to bring technical women together, provide a platform that you are anchoring. Where did the inspiration for this come from? And what's driving you to do this? From a very professional standpoint, Chitra, I have to admit that Anita B gave the platform to do this. And it was Anita Bob's vision to create this and expand it to India. It just found the takers because this is just so much the need of the other. And for me personally, if you ask me, when I came in and I started working on this initiative, uh, I realized two two things. One is magic happens when people come together. It's really the dialogues that sustain us and keep us moving forward, learning each other's stories, understanding how all of us have gone through different, the same difficulties, but in different circumstances and different ways. Even knowing that there are other people facing the same things and there are solutions possible is greatly empowering. One thing I've seen repeatedly and this is something that's become close to my heart of late, is isolation. So with women, uh, particularly, we go through whatever we go through, and when challenges do happen, we just become so bottled up in what we do. I went through that phase where when my kids were really young, um, there was a lot of attention required both at home and at work. Uh, I wouldn't really hang out building my network in the workplace or even 
taking a coffee break with our friends um my focus was to get the work out of the way so that i can leave early go back home and play my role as a mother daughter in law wife and because we wear so many hats it's easy to fall into that isolation trap and when something difficult hits us we don't know where to go because we've never really cultivated a place to go to for support anitab.org is a great community which allows people to just come out there be together in a safe place and explore what's available out there what kind of support and what can we do together uh, that's that's really a great thing another thing that personally gives me a great kick is discovering and working with exceptional women um, including you chitra i knew i came to know you through this people are achievers across multiple different areas and you just look at the variety of talent they bring to the table it's greatly inspiring empowering that is something that is enriching and it's kind of a self feedback that keeps me going in working here wonderful baggy and thank you so much for compliment i i am deeply honored and likewise i think that is also what i resonate with you tremendously in terms of what anita bidorg has done for women in tech and women in general i think i can completely you know harmonize with what you've said in the past few minutes in fact it sort of segwayed to the next question that i have you know when we talk about entrepreneurship and building businesses one thing uh, we've noticed about how entrepreneurs also feel isolated at various points in time it struck me when you were talking about communities and cultivating them as a place for support is it possible for businesses to sustain each other and bring together a community of businesses so that it forms a place for support what do you think about something like this is this what can possibly sustain us as people in the future i strongly believe in that vision chitra and and that's been one of the ideas we have been working on internally as well so i've been an entrepreneur for 5 years in in my life and what kept us going was our company was supporting nhrd and we were working with a bunch of other organizations so there are forums that do exist and there are a lot of ideas that come into play um, when i started my entrepreneurship journey i came across this setup where there will be individual groups every group will have a representative startup from a different domain someone from let's say payroll someone in the financial uh, services somebody a product and if you get one more payroll person payroll company you put them in a a uh, different group so that it's all spread out and you have complementing skills coming together to uh, support each other so overall entrepreneurs coming together like that keeping the competition aside a little bit because it is also a very competitive environment and there is a fear about uh, how much do i want to share that is one the second is also the bandwidth a very recent example is i've been talking to this entrepreneur she and i have been talking about a project we could work on uh, she had some time in her hands and then she reached out to me yesterday and said one of their financial backers pulled out and she's back running pillar to post making sure they have the right financial backing and she cannot work with me on the project so there is a bit of volatility and market ups and downs that can take your focus away because when you're running a company it's very much like a baby and it it just takes a lot of uh reserve and energy from you but if all of us can 
again, have a community where we can come together and be vulnerable. I think that's important to give that support, to be vulnerable, to ask questions, to ask for support. That will be a great environment to foster entrepreneurship, to sustain innovation. And that is one thing India really needs, uh, not just India, the entire world. The old model of capitalism, all of us know, is, is not a great model for us to go forward, given how GDP is calculated, for example, based on expenses, or how it is not exactly sustainable for the environment. So looking at a sustainable model that is conscious of the community it is supporting, there is a lot of innovative ideas that are needed. And there is no dearth of ideas. It's a matter of people coming together and being willing and open to share some of the learnings so that this can really become a, a happening place. And what I would really also like to tell people is there is enough and more in terms of market for us to work with. So working with the idea of there is a limited market in which we will have to win and make a business case is not always true. Uh, there are always ways to be supportive and also be good at your game. Maggie, I definitely see a book in the making with a lot of what you have said. So probably on the lines of, you know, another version of a lean startup called Sustaining Startups. I hope it definitely sees the light of the day. So as an entrepreneur, what are the lessons that you'd perhaps like to share with our listeners that you took away from five years of being an entrepreneur? Oh, there's a lot to bring it down to two is going to be a task. I think the very, very important lesson is balancing practicality and passion, which is easy to lose sight of. If you're you know, too practical, then a business is chasing money, capital, just building and growing. And if you're too passionate, you can lose out on sustainability. And the way to do that is bringing different capabilities into the team and uh, having all of them weigh The second, as is, this is my personal view, is to have a personal board for yourself in addition to what you might have as a professional setup for your company. When, you know, when I'm investing as an entrepreneur, I'm investing my whole life. I'm investing my savings. I'm investing my time. I'm, I'm taking time away from my family to be an entrepreneur. I'm investing my future. So having a personal board with whom one can run their decisions by will be a great help building that network. Someone may be on financial decisions. Someone may be on simple things like how much time to travel versus how much time to stay overlooking operations. I did not do personally. And I think that would be a great investment for people to uh, have. Thanks, Maggie. By the way, I didn't mean to limit it to just a couple of points. But if there are more, please do share. Yeah. The other things are more obvious. It is uh, understanding your market and keeping different streams of revenue so that if you have a research arm, then that is sufficiently funded by something that is uh, through consultancy or services. Uh, so having a practical revenue model is important. Being cost conscious is always important. There are many, many ways to keep employees happy and engaged uh, without having to splurge a lot. And getting the right talent, of course, is very critical. And there has to be a right balance between um, pressures, middle level and the senior level to be able to let go as a senior person, to be able to give the direction and strategy and be able to let go of some of the development and operations to the folks uh, below you. That kind of structure needs to be built. Building all of these consciously is, is important. Uh, it is very easy to get swayed by market conditions and financial conditions and uh, do one thing more than the other. 
but taking a step back and keep course correcting is is very critical very well said maggie thank you in fact uh, i was just thinking conscious organization building could that be a topic for a future conversation in fact there's a movement called conscious capitalism in the us uh, it's run by an indian raj sisodia they do some great thinking in this area we should definitely see if we could pick up some things from there maybe add to it you know this along with sustainable businesses i'm sure there there is something that can come out of so now going back in time to where all this began how did you land up in the tech industry uh, so how did i land in a technology career it started from college i picked up computer science engineering as my branch of engineering in college because it just it was new it sounded exciting and i really loved the creativity about it i was absolutely in love with object oriented programming and how you could tweak the memory space and how the every object behave like a person with some qualities and you could use that under different disguises to do different things we also had some great teachers who helped us develop the passion for it and all of this you know writing a code and seeing it do something either on the screen or print something looked very magical uh, at that point and this is i'm talking about uh, 92 to 96 when pcs and laptops were unheard of and uh, we all had dumb monitors with local area networks and then i started my career with infosys uh, through a campus interview job i was super excited because it was just a prestigious uh, thing to happen at that point in time and infosys did not disappoint i learned all my basics of professionalism from that company and also how to build the right code how to go about delivering a software project something as simple as how to write a design document using microsoft word so a lot of small small learnings that helped not just with the coding part of technology but overall technology management delivery explaining technology to uh, people and making it work but from the beginning my interest was towards how to apply technology so i'm not your pure technologist who will just sit for 24 hours a day and code i like to see the output i like to be this interface who helps people bring their businesses alive through technology making it easy for them removing that fear a lot of people have around deploying technology to automate their businesses so uh, and i naturally gravitated towards uh, those kind of projects and worked a lot on that field and it still remains something very interesting and close to my heart uh, to see how technology actually impacts day to day in life that's an interesting start maggie in fact i had one question you said object oriented programming helped you develop and understand personas so how did that help you or what did you do differently from your programming experience that helped you perhaps develop you know engagement or empathy for customers and managing stakeholders i'm glad you asked that because i have not thought of this in that sequence uh, but you're right what it taught me was the underlying technology can be one but it can be refitted to suit people's needs so the customization the configuration and customization it does not have to be very cumbersome and by keeping some of the basic needs same and adding a few variations here and there you can make most businesses run and achieve what they want and there was also this interesting component of getting people to translate their processes in a way that can be done by ms often that gets lost we try and replicate a business process as it is using a computer and that's not a great idea uh, both the party should be open 
And again, it all comes, maybe if I translate it back to object-oriented programming, you're really looking at what is your core objective? What are the basic things you cannot compromise on, either from your technology perspective or from cost perspective, risk perspective, and your business outcome perspective? And everything else at that point becomes flexible if you have these identified. Uh, when we had the ERP era, I think uh, a great consultant was very, very efficient in doing this and being able to install a package uh, very easily and, and the customers walked away happy uh, with that easy implementation and use. So yeah, that is something that taught me. And now when I sit through the latest technologies and look at how people are applying deep learning, machine learning, and artificial intelligence to uh, solve problems that were earlier not solvable. So with ERPs, we were able to solve most of the uh, repetitive tasks and tasks that required calculations. But with all of this coming into picture, we are able to translate more of the unpredictable behaviors also into uh, what we need to uh, deliver through a technology experience. So that way, yes, I can see all of that coming back to that concept. I was just thinking, right, robotic process automation, the hot buzzword for today, I think had its origins back in the day, like you said, Maggie, when simple, repeatable business processes began to get automated. And in some sense, be became the precursor of what we know as fundamentals of data science in terms of whether it was data extraction or data mining and eventually became uh, translatable into a set of rules that could be coded, forming the basis for machine learning. What is it that you could perhaps share with some of your technology experiences across whether it was engineering practices? You know, you said removing the fear from people's minds of, in terms of using technology and bringing all of it together. What is it from some of those experiences that you can share with our listeners? I think we call it design thinking today, Chitra, but that is what was needed right from the time technology came into place. And uh, we started using technology to automate. And design thinking and creating solutions are two skills that don't change in spite of whatever changes in the environment around us. That is what I would say stayed with me. I worked on multiple technologies from Microsoft technologies to a hardcore adapter memory technologies to ERPs. One thing that remained the same across the board is this. And to be able to do that, you have to have a good understanding of technology, keep up with what is developing, understand the concepts. Those are the two things, keeping up to date and keeping the design thinking solution development skills sharp is what I would share as my learnings. Thanks, Maggie. You know, you, you also had added in some sense a holistic and a very spiritual dimension to a lot of what you do. Where did that begin to come in from? Uh, I also know that you are a yoga teacher. Where does this all fit into uh, Maggie, the community builder, or Maggie, the technologist, and how, why and how did this come, aspect come into your life? I don't know if I have an answer for why. That's probably the only eternal question all of us work towards is understanding <laughs> ourselves. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about yoga and that will probably explain other things. I picked up yoga as a kid uh, to lose weight. Uh, so for the first maybe 10-15 years. That was my relationship with yoga. Is I knew that doing yoga kept my weight under control, kept my food cravings under control. I didn't think anything more than that. Then when I was going through some personal difficulties, something's changed. And that is when yoga really became a tool to understand myself more, 
and then the focus about weight management went out the practice became quieter and quieter not so much about the poses but really about what is happening in your thoughts in your emotions in your body when you are holding a pose and at that point yoga becomes transformational because yoga starts teaching you it becomes very very intuitive and leads you towards healing in exploration um and internal strength which you have come to rely on people sometimes ask me how do you manage to do so many things i don't know if i can justify that question but if i have to answer that question it's probably because of the base this um, yoga and the spirituality that spiritual outlook that gives that keeps me centered and grounded uh, for the most part yeah certainly uh, much needed in our even more chaotic environment of today with so many triggers so many events seemingly popping out of nowhere and us probably not really having to respond to everything but we find ourselves reacting and being pulled in all kinds of directions uh, makes a lot of sense maggie what you said about uh, yoga and yoga practice in fact uh, i am also beginning to see a thread of commonality in our conversation especially mm. with respect to creating communities to cultivate places for support uh, sustaining businesses uh, conscious organization building all of it seems to emanate or stem from looking inward to serve a larger purpose beyond ourselves in some sense i'm going to say i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay i can have stopped my quest for purpose a few years ago frankly speaking and uh, just learn to live with what comes the way and there are enough things that require attention and uh, responsible action so yeah it's, it's really about what is happening in the short term today here and now and i believe that if i'm attentive to that then the purpose will purpose question will solve by itself that's a nice one maggie thank you the next thing i know is another area that you are passionate about and it's funny that you said you know being attentive in the present and responding to the needs of the present will eventually define what outcomes could be so what do you feel is the future of technology future of technology from in my view standing where i am right now is twofold one is there is a huge interest and a rush to embrace the new technologies the uh, artificial intelligence and blockchains um, the deep learning neural networks quantum computing to see how it can make businesses faster more secure and give the customers a great experience and the second aspect to that is our responsibilities as humans to see how do we harness this technology for a sustainable future and i think that is equally critical be it ethical technology focusing on making sure there is no bias in building these technologies because when we are looking at automating a repetitive tasks that was a different domain but when we start getting into machines learning about the subjective and the unpredictability of the customers and using using that to build the prediction of the software and the outcome of the software we are going into a very gray area which can be riddled with uh, biases ethical questions how much is too much how much is really required for a business and also if we are automating everything to what purpose are we automating all of this are we asking those questions is technology becoming more conscious than humans <laughs> in a very very philosophical <laughs> way well uh, i think just a couple of months ago 
Google proved it, right? It seems like uh, almost every bot today is passing the Turing test and becoming simply difficult to figure out whether it's a machine at the other end or it's a human. It's a scary thought, isn't it? It is. And as as a woman technologist and working with women technologists, it's even a scarier thought because when when some of these adjustments start happening, the underrepresented communities are the first ones to disappear off the radar very easily. So that is one. And where exactly are we headed as a community? Um, when I say community, I'm saying across the world as a population, where are we headed? So yesterday, um, I heard a speaker say that this world needs to be saved and I don't see a man doing it. So it all the more emphasizes and uh, brings the focus back to communities like Anitabi.org, where giving women that platform to really have their voices heard and have a say in how all of this is developing. It almost feels like you want to make a call to action. What would that call be? Okay, I'll state it this way. I think being responsible and conscious in every task we do, be it work, be it personal decisions, we have, we have grown accustomed to making decisions for comfort and comfort is more than available today in terms of automation, in terms of food delivery, whatnot. But taking a step back and really bringing, you know, your conscious self into action, it doesn't have to be a huge transformation or something as simple as writing an email or sharing a post on Facebook. A bit of a thinking and consciousness that goes into it can go a long way. Um, not getting carried away by the pressures at work, pressures in the community, but taking a step back to see where I am, what am I contributing, and how am I moving the needle? I think that would be my request if anyone wants to change a small thing, is just to have that thought before completing an action. Nice thoughts, Maggie. I had so many questions and thoughts flooding my mind right now that I almost lost my train of thought for a moment there. I definitely foresee many more conversations with you. Until then, in the context of this conversation, is there something that you would like to specially leave for our listeners? It would be that there are communities out there and we are not isolated, we are not alone. And what do we have to solve? We have support and experience to help us solve it together. And one more thing I like telling people is there is no trophy at the end of the race for being a superwoman. So we don't have to do that. It's okay to let go, okay to be vulnerable and take support and give support, also very important. So take some time to do that would be my request. Thank you so much, Maggie. It's been really, really nice talking to you. And I'm so happy that we got the opportunity today to do this conversation. Thank you, Chitra. We thank Siddharth for the music and Malavika for promoting the Software People stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.